Children of the world, parents of the world, this is for you. I'm Rowena. And I'm April. We are best friends and moms to five young athletes and sisters to Olympic champions. We have a mission to inspire our kids and your kids through the stories of champions. Who am I? I am a champion. Who am I? I am a champion. Who am I? I am a champion. So excited to introduce our next guest, one of our first guests, my very own little sister, Tora Bright. She's an Olympic champion, a legend in her sport, I'm going to say. She's won every accolade you could want. I'm going to roll them off. She's Australia's most successful Winter Olympian, two-time X Games gold medalist, three-time U.S. Open winner, two-time Global Open champion, three-time World Superbike champion, a former TTR world champion, ESPY award winner, and my favorite part of her story, in 2014 at the Sochi Winter Olympics, Tora decided to have some fun and see what she could do. She became the first Olympic athlete, male or female, to qualify and compete in all three snowboarding event disciplines, halfpipe, slope style and border cross, a mammoth feat. So she's got this movie out that you all got to see sometime called Out of Bounds. That's going to be amazing. I cannot wait. But even without all these accolades I just spun off, she is just a fierce competitor. And I could not think of anyone that I would want more to talk to my own children about, you know, dreaming big and going for it and mindset and manifesting and miracles and never giving up. So children of the world, now you get her mind and heart too for the next little while. And Tora, we are so grateful. Welcome. Oh, shucks. Thanks for having me, guys. (laughs) I love that introduction from my sister, my big sister, my hero. Oh, I'm your biggest fan. You know that. And, you know, April and I were talking before the episode, you and Julia, April's sister, who we'll hear from, you really are such a big inspiration for us wanting to share stories of champions with children because our kids, I mean, they've had you their whole lives. They don't even doubt whether they can become a champion because they've seen you both do it. They know what it takes. You've told them the stories, you've mindset coached them. And we have just felt like they were so lucky. I mean, April and I didn't have that growing up. We were just kind of like read a book or saw a newspaper or a poster and dreamed of doing what our heroes did. But we think with this platform, we can just share these stories, belief building stories with all the kids, not just our kids. So thank you. Thanks, guys. I'm so excited to share my story. And I don't know, Rowena, you've always been my hero. And, and, you know, knowing Julia had you as a big sister, April, like, you led the path anyway, you know, and now you're leading the path as, as the mothers, being the legend mothers, teaching their kids and you're creating this platform and I'm just like in awe of you. So thank you, but let's get into it. Let's get down dirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so fun. Okay, so I know that Rowie knows the story, but I know that everybody else wants to hear, especially kids trying to figure out even how do they even know what they're going to get into? Like, tell us the story, bring us back. Like, how'd you even get into snowboarding? Oh my gosh. So I was 11 years old and I guess rewinding a little bit, I grew up in Cooma, which if you know Australia, most probably don't. We're 
Kuma is the gateway to the snowy mountains. So, yes, we have mountains and we have snow on them in the winter in Australia. And uh, I grew up in the gateway to the snowy mountains with Rowena as one of my older siblings, but there were five bright kids. And we were on the mountain as a family. Everyone from about two years of age got on the snow. And so being the fourth of five kids, I just, I, I think I was just slept around. I just remember she being, was. yeah, <laughs> I just remember being in the back of the car, like, you know, being so tired from the day from being dragged around that I just wee my pants in the back of the car. <laughs> like, <laughs> mom going, Tora, put your boot back, boots back on. <laughs> Smells. <laughs> like, so. True story. I still remember these moments. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, that's where it started. I was, I was literally watching what it took for my older siblings to be a part of, I guess, sport, not, not just our winter sports, but just sports in general. And, and our mum was incredible because she really did do whatever it took to create every opportunity, you know, for the kids to pick up any opportunity that was given. So I literally lived my life as an early kid watching my older siblings just do it. So when it came to my snowboarding, I was 11 years old. I woke up one morning just saying to mom, like, I remember some stresses were about money and, you know, all the kids doing what they wanted to do. And I woke up and I just go, hey, mom, I think I'm going to cross country ski. Like, I don't need to downhill race. It's it's fine. I think I like cross country skiing better anyway, because cross country skiing, you didn't have to have the season pass for one. It was a little bit cheaper. I could still enjoy the mountains. Anyway, that, that lasted for a whole hot hour or something because that day, like literally hours later, my brother, who ended up being my coach throughout my snowboard career too, mind you, his friend broke his arm and there was inter-schools competitions where, you know, kids from schools get together in, in groups and they compete against each other. His friend breaking his arm, then he wasn't able to compete with his friends. So the whole team was going to be out. And so... Ben stepped up to the plate and, yeah, jumped in to fill this guy's um, place who broke his arm, but Ben had never snowboarded before. So, (laughs) of course, Marion Bright, the legend she is, she's like, all right, well, you need a snowboard lesson. And mum booked him in for a snowboard lesson and I'm there going, hey, 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 can I come? And literally that's how it started. We both had a snowboard lesson and that was it. We were so hooked. And then our little sister, Abby, the youngest of the Brights, she saw us doing that. She wanted to have a go the next day. So then Abby got a lesson the next day. I jumped in on that. And sure enough, that afternoon, all three of us were begging mum and dad to buy us snowboards. We were not going back skiing. (laughs) I love this story so much. And I think there'll be parents out there listening and I'll never forget what you repeat all the time, what our mum did. She didn't just ask for a snowboard coach. She went to the ski school and said, who is your best snowboard coach you got to be your kid's advocate and she always was it's so cool oh see that's a part of the story I don't really remember but yeah she did and she actually did that throughout our whole journey it's like who's gonna be the best for them at this time so I think why we loved snowboarding so much was it was free because we all came from like a, a racing background and you know, it's pretty regimented. The training's pretty regimented, as you guys would know, you know, it's all about being fast. And we just felt freedom on the mountain. We, it's like our eyes opened up and we were just going down the beginner run on Front Valley Perisher. And 
just like doing all these side hits and getting some air and everything was radical and amazing. So that was, that was how I got into snowboarding. You know, what's so amazing about your story is that you started at 11 years old, because I think kids out there are like, they'll finally find a passion that they love that they want to do. And they're like, Oh, I'm so far behind or whatever, you know, like to be able to see that you started at, I mean, I wouldn't say like an old age, but definitely you see all these kids and they're like, you know, my kids, they got on skis, even me, I was on skis at like, nine months old. And so it's like, wow, that's kind of a 10 year advantage. It's kind of a lot like, <laughs> you know, to see that, wow, there's so much that you can do still. <laughs> I love it. Can you tell us like, do you have people that have really inspired you along your journey to get to where you to where you got in your sport? It was my own family for a long time. And Rowena, actually, you were like, you were 100% my like, my older sister, my hero, like you were I knew I had this older sister, but I was so young when you traveled, you know, I remember going to the airport and waving you off and like really not understanding that you were going off and doing anything other than just like, Oh, I don't know. Bye. Like I'll see you whenever. Like I just, I didn't have this concept of what it was, but you know, then mom would keep us updated on you and then you'd come back from your travels and you'd always bring gifts for us. And I remember that was the best thing ever so like just yeah <laughs> bringing gifts for little siblings um and growing up understanding in you know later years just exactly what you were doing and understanding the journey you're on and the I guess the the hardships and just watching you just bound over them I know it wasn't probably that way for you <laughs> but that's how I saw it I saw these hard things come and I saw you just overcome them and reach your dreams no matter what. And so just that, having an older sister like that, watching that, I mean, the hard work was pretty much done. Like that's an imprint that you can't just make that stuff up. <laughs> that's an imprint and that was a deep imprint. And I think that came out in my own life and, and everyday life now. So you were huge, Ro. Then I reckon back to my snowboard roots, it was – also just my brother was obsessed with watching snowboard videos and he would put them on like all day all night tv7 south of heaven like it was watching the snowboard videos and I guess our snowboard legends was how we connected to this greater industry outside of our little world in Australia in the snow industry there again like I didn't quite understand that there was this industry outside of our little world but they're just like these movies I was watching on a screen. And, you know, looking back, I think my brother being obsessed with that taught me how to really emulate other people who are doing things better than you <laughs> because we watch them on snowboard videos all day long. And then, you know, and then my brother became my coach years later and we did the same thing. We watched people who did it better than I did. Or if it was a new trick I wanted to learn, we would just watch it over and over and over. And in snowboarding, you know, you've got goofy and natural. And what we would do if the rider I was watching trying to copy was I'm goofy, right foot forward. If they were natural with the left foot forward, we would put the video in the mirror. So then it looked like they were actually a goofy snowboarder. So I could 
take it in a little bit easier and not have to like so there's a little trick for you guys um (laughs) skating surfing snowboarding anything where you lead with your right or left foot it doesn't matter put a mirror in front of the image and uh and voila bing voila bang you got it (laughs) wow I remember I have that vision in my mind so clearly of you and Ben and Abby just like glued to the tv in the mornings and I remember the name, Terry A. Harkinson, and I remember the day you called me when you were in Norway or at some competition, you were like, I met Terry A. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, what you were talking about with watching the technique, the people who are better than you, that's literally our goal with this podcast. You know, like any other champion knows, that there's the skill and the work, but then there's all the work you do in the dark with your mind and for the kids to literally like the the snowboard videos you watch to plug into this and learn the tricks of the mind through the stories. That's where our vision is. 100%. So I, looking back, my heroes were these people that I later met through my snowboard journey. It was Terry Dakides. It was Terry A. Harkinson. It was... It was Kelly Clark who I later on competed against because I, I was this girl sitting in Kuma watching the X Games and Kelly Clark was a 15-year-old girl competing on this world stage. So I was like, whoa, I'm like, she's only, you know, what, four years older than me? No way. So, yeah, for me it was like all those people and shred heroes that I watched too that I just I kind of emulated and later, you know, did still in my snowboarding career and then of course like I've got a shout out to to all the people and the families that helped us along the way because there was such generosity and such care for for me as a young girl I left the day before my 14th birthday and were cared by different families moving around the world in different locations for you know different things that or different events I should say in training periods and I think it was their generosity and their kindness that will always stick with me. So I feel like, you know, and then when I joined the Roxy team in the US, I had, I literally felt like I had these older sisters who were these two badasses, <laughs> but then like they swept me under their wing. And so I just feel like I've just been so, so blessed and so grateful for all the incredible people and women that have like nurtured me and cared for me along the way till I like became a woman myself and started making my own decisions. (laughs) Yeah. The pay it forward effect, the affirmation we use in our family, which I know mom taught us when we were little too, like people want to help me, people look out for me. And then they come, you know, the O'Donnells. I remember them putting you up in their place in Big White, your first trip overseas. It was amazing. Tora, I want you to talk a little bit more about the times that you doubted yourself and didn't believe in yourself. Cause I've heard you talk a little bit of this and who you lent on particularly. I love how you talk about Ben, like what he saw for you before you could even see it yourself and how important that is for kids and, and parents to help surround their kids with people like that visionaries and people that bring you up instead of tear you down. That's what I believe made Ben the greatest coach ever of all time. Because he really was the visionary for for what I could do with my snowboarding and in my competitive career. You know, I was a good snowboarder. I was talented. But it really is who you surround yourself with. And if I had somebody telling me that just keep doing what all the other girls are doing because that's how 
you're going to get the best results or da, da 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 I would not have been the snowboarder I was in, you know, the competitive realm and I wouldn't have made the impact I did. And I give credit to Benny for that. I want to say he's like full blown PhD nutty professor snowboarder. Like he just, he loves it. He laps it up. He like, and he was an incredible snowboarder himself. And so I guess a few stories that come to mind when Benny and I were on this journey of, of going, okay, let's learn these tricks that girls aren't doing that are going to set me apart from the crowd. That's really going to make, you know, the difference between like second and first or even, you know, fifth and being first. It was like these, these tricks were not being done that we were learning by the female competitors. And I remember it's not easy, right? It doesn't, nothing comes that easy. I had to go back to fundamentals. I had to teach myself to learn how to snowboard switch again and then all the basic fundamentals to then go and learn how to rotate this switch backside rotation, which no one was doing. And it's the one of six ways you can rotate in the half pipe pretty much. And it's the hardest. There's a reason why people don't do it. And I remember training in Breckenridge, Colorado, and I was, I was getting okay at riding just the pipe switch. Then I started to do switch backside 360s and then then going on to switch backside 540s. And Sean White, who hiked in the pipe, and he goes, what are you doing? Just do something good. Like just do a 900 like all the other girls. Like you'll win then. And I was like, thanks for the input, but that's not really what I'm going for. And anyway, I remember distinctly like, Maybe it was two or three tries later, Sean was walking on the opposite side of the pipe where I was doing the trick and I did it over his head. (laughs) I was like, boom. So it was, I feel like we had some people going, well, that would be awesome, but can she do it? And really it was just persistence and the, I guess the cheerleader and the belief from my coach. We'd set a goal to do something and yeah, I really was looking like I couldn't snowboard for a while because the body has to relearn everything. It needs to learn it all, let it all sink into muscle sinews. Your brain needs to compute it. Like, and then, and then it comes, it comes, it comes so quickly. So I was in that phase for a little while and people were like, what is she doing? But it was all my brother. <laughs> wow. I love that story. You really highlighted like there's going to be doubters and even some of the doubters are going to be people that you respect, like Sean White doubting you. That's rough, but I love that story. It was awesome. That's still like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> Sean, are you listening? You, uh, <laughs> yeah, do you have anything you that? want to say to Tora? Yeah, <laughs> I remember that on my interview, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you have any defining moments in your career when it could have crushed you and made you want to quit? I think, can you think of anything that really one of those defining moments? And also talk about how, because I think this hap- comes up a lot. Like people feel like, you know, kids that are doing these sports, they feel like, they have to love it all the time. Did you ever have moments when you didn't love snowboarding or did you just always love it? Was it always so easy to just get up and go do it? <laughs> so two things, your defining moment and then, you know, your love, but <laughs> love for it. I guess let's start with my love for it. I love snowboarding. I loved it from the first minute because it was really this incredible bond between Ben, Abby and I. And we actually had siblings with three other siblings too that were all snowboarding that we were just rat packs loving it. Like it was, it was love from the beginning. But then as it eased into like taking these opportunities that were really scary to me, like leaving my family, 
the day before my 14th birthday. That was scary, but it was exciting. And when that ended three months after that first trip away, like I couldn't wait to go home. And then I was like, oh, do I like snowboarding? You know, I was a little like, oh. So I had so many moments along the way where I feel like I had to reinvent myself and reinvent my love for snowboarding. And sometimes it was just taking a moment to step away and do something different. Sometimes in the middle of a season, it was putting on skis and going skiing. (laughs) And it just brought me so much joy. Yeah. So the love is always there, but, but I think when it, when it becomes like your, your job, it's an interesting one because you're managing the pressures and expectations of yourself, your team. You know, I had a pretty small team. It was me and my bro, but then coming into an Olympic year, it's pretty full on. And I remember this one moment where everything was just breaking down and kept breaking down. Like I, I think looking back, it was I kept trying to be everything for everybody. You know, I was meeting the expectation of my coach who saw the vision and created the vision of me and what I was capable of as an athlete with learning new trickery. And then it was balancing the expectations because at the time coming into the 2010 Olympics, like I was the best. So it was balancing the expectations of for one, the one time in four years that the whole of Australia decides to care about snowboarding, you know, everyone's like, she's the best, she's going to win. Da, da, da. Then I've got um, my sponsors, my my coach who has decided that I'm going to do another feat that no girl has done and I was learning the double crippler in the pipes. So it was a double invert and I had been learning it. I was working on it and we were trying to, I think it was December before the Olympics, And we were trying to work it into a run. And I just remember I was losing my nerve and I could only do like maybe four or five in a training session each day. And I was losing my nerve and I just couldn't do any more. And I, and I think the pressure got to Benny too, because his, his thought was 2006, a lot of people thought that I was not rewarded. I think I got fifth or sixth and they're like, you most definitely should have been on that podium tour. <laughs> Whatever place, it doesn't matter. But I did create this fire within myself that I was going to be undoubtedly the best coming into the 2010 Olympics. And and so all of that was weighing on me. And I had my coach who who knew it, who believed it. We we'd already started like making history again. And I was turning up to training, doing these double cripplers and losing my nerve. And one day... I just go, I, I remember feeling it through my body and just going like, I actually can't do any more. And Benny had this lapse of, I guess we'll just call him human. <laughs> Super coach Benny had a human moment and he just goes, if you can't do 10 a day, you're never going to do it. And so I went and I did it again and I ended up catching my chin on the coping and busting my teeth. And, and that was kind of the beginning of my concussion journey too coming into the 2010 Olympics so yeah I really didn't like snowboarding sometimes I guess in a long-winded answer (laughs) it was really hard to pick myself back up and keep going when I was injuring myself can you tell us how did you get through that do do you have any tricks of like when you're in that moment of like oh how do I pick myself back up like any mind tricks or anything that that you feel like helped you when you hurt you got to sit out and collect yourself. 
that's what I did. I just took time. But, but in that moment, like there was no time to waste. I was going to the 2010 Olympics and I was going to be the best. I got on a flight that night, found someone to get me into a dentist to get my teeth repaired to make sure like everything was okay. Like, and then I'm like, I got to train. Like, oh my gosh, I've only got 10 days or whatever it is. Like there was no time, you know, you, you do this quick check. But I think Benny also instilled into me that it was about longevity. So when I really did need to take the time to reset, I did. I'm an extrovert and an introvert. I'm definitely both, but the the introvert needs a lot sometimes. So I would just check out. And I think that comes like, and whatever you do in the meantime, that, that really comes with learning who you are. And I think that's, you know, when people go, what do you want to leave to the young people in the world? And I think learning who you are is one of the most important things because when you come to understand yourself and know yourself and your needs, then you know how to give back to yourself. And yeah, I just used to create space and sometimes it was flying off to Rowena and it was just forgetting everything and just being auntie mummy to her beautiful boys. I just used to love it. Sometimes I sacrificed some like really cool trips with friends because I just needed to give back to to me and that was just being like just really grounded in the family unit. I love that. I want to bring up something you mentioned because it's something I've watched you do over your lifetime. You're a very intuitive soul and I think we all are, but some people can just tap into it more and I think as parents of little ones or kids if you're if you're listening, like that feeling she talked about where she felt it through her whole body, that's like your higher self telling you, teaching you. That's your intuition. And even with my little seven-year-old, I like he'll have kids at the skateboard park telling him, you can do it, you can do it. And I'm always like, Thor, get quiet. Only you know what you can do, especially in these dangerous sports. And I think that's one of the biggest gifts and habits of listening to yourself, a, a coach, parent, whatever can give to a kid. So I loved that you talked about that moment. And the, and the coming back to the family or fueling yourself, you know, you have been a master. I've watched you really find the fun and find the joy again in hard times. And I mean, you talked a little bit about what you do. Maybe you can give some tips to the kids, like just very practical tips that they can get in that fun vibe again to remember what they love. I feel like I learned so much from just being around your kids and always loving kids really because kids are so joyful like all you have to do is create a funny scenario and they laugh they're crying they're upset you distract them with something that's funny and they laugh and they giggle so I feel like your kids and all the kids like I've just been obsessing over my whole life have taught me that so I always share this quote Mary Poppins quote because some for some reason I loved Mary Poppins as a kid and still do but in every job that must be done there's an element of fun you find the fun and snap the job's a game so I think it's however you feel the most joy but if we're talking about sport I really feel that most people and everybody is a little bit different that where it comes into like learning about how you best function. It comes with trial and error as well. But it's really creating that joy within yourself. And and through meditation, at any age, you can teach children how to 
how to generate that that pure joy, that bliss, that heart that's exploding out of their chest. And it just comes down to that, whether it's a thought or, you know, before I would drop into my half pipe runs, I would put my hands on my knees and I would close my eyes. Sometimes it would take me a little bit longer than others, but I would wait till I felt this energy like come up through my heart and a smile would come to my face. Then I knew that my heart, body and mind had this coherence that I was going to be in that moment and just let the the muscle memory kind of take over and the external pressures, the the mind chatter that goes on, you know, every person on a day-to-day basis understands that mind chatter, you know, that you have with yourself and doubts flying in and whatnot. So I think it was it was literally through meditation that my mother pretty much taught us meditation and visualization that I was able to find a way to like get that joy when I needed it. And I guess the bigger things for me, I shared one like where I just would go skiing. I just do things differently. Like at an event, I was having a hard time and so was another guy, a skier. We switched. He went snowboarding and training. Like that is that is not a productive way to train at an event to go skiing, <laughs> you know, but that's what I needed. So I just kind of broke the mold. I did me. I, I danced the earth to the beat of my own heart pretty much. And so I say just, just play around, get to know yourself and do not care what other people think. Learn to listen to your intuition. It's the hardest thing though, huh? It's like so much easier said than done, but I totally agree. I just love that quote that you said. I'm just, every time I see you are so fun to me. I've always just like, you're this like fun ball of energy that I just love to be around. You just bring joy to so many people. So the fact that that's like your quote, your motto, it just totally fits. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty silly, but I'm having a good time. (laughs) That's what matters really, you guys, just the fun, just bring the fun into whatever you do. Okay, so people that know you, they know that you go up these huge walls in the pipe, you do these crazy tricks, like, how do you get from like, okay, I want to be a snowboarder to like, okay, now I can do all this. Is there like, tell us about the progression or kind of like tips that would, I love the tip, the mirror tip that was like, game changer. Any other tips you have for just like, if you decide that you, you want to be, you know, in the pipe and progress to that? It's really just starting slow, working on the fundamentals, going back to the fundamentals all the time. So, you know, these, these pipe walls are 22 feet high. Some of the guys go 20 meters out of the pipe alone so there's 20 foot walls into you know the the rider that's like sending it out of the pipe like you you get up there sometimes you look down and you things look a little smaller from up there it is just going at your own step like like the alphabet right you don't go a d it's you go step a step b step c step d there are all these little progressions all these little steps in between and it's just building your momentum it's building your confidence when I am helping people in the pipe, it's literally like you don't need to get up to the coping. You don't need to get out at first. You just need to feel. You need to feel the transition. You need to feel the flat bottom. You you just yeah need to create this, this smooth connection. And when you're feeling confident and you're feeling like you can push yourself a little bit more, you go a little faster and you go a little higher. So it's just very, very small progression steps. And sometimes when you're just, when you are doing really small steps, 
you don't realize that you are actually progressing along the way. And so I would just say that just little itty bitty steps that in time you gradually building on what you're working on. To be honest, I'd say that's the same with even progression into bigger tricks, into higher airs, like everything. It's just a, a yeah, a steady progression. Tora, we've talked a lot about you having fun and finding the joy and manifesting and visualization, but let's talk about the hard work a little bit. I never want to brush over that. I'm not sure if people see you on Instagram. They, they'll feel your joy for sure, but I'm not sure if they see the relentlessness that I've seen. Talk about what it means <laughs> to you to work hard. And even like when you talked about 2006 and how you turned what could have crushed you, like that pain, you just doubled down and I feel like worked harder and just I loved that, yeah, determination. It's really easy to capture a moment of joy, right, and share that. But the work done in the dark <laughs> that nobody sees, the the mental prep, even the relentlessness in like, you know, trying trick after trick after trick after trick, getting, you know, hematomas on my arms, like hitting my head, breaking my teeth. (laughs) Maybe you are powerful enough that you can manifest and, you know, create everything without that. And you have to have courage, grit and determination and the willingness to just keep pounding the pavement and, and doing the do. And yeah, 100%. I have done that my whole life. Like, it's so funny because I guess, you know, sport was my whole life. Being the best I could be was, that's what my everyday was about. Being, you know, creating, yeah, the space for me to be the best I could be. And you see me clean the kitchen? I'm really good at cleaning the kitchen too. (laughs) How you do everything is how you do everything. (laughs) One thing is how you do everything. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, that relentlessness, I'm just like, kitchen's going to be spotless. What is freshest in my memory is even the injury recovery. Rehab, that's a journey in itself. You have to be relentless to come back stronger than before. I had um, concussions that totally floored me, like took my quality of life away pretty much. I was... I was not a functioning human and I wasn't going to accept that that was my new life. Like a lot of medical people had told me, like, maybe you just need to accept that this is your new life. Like that just never sat right with me. So I dug, I dug, I dug, I asked, I saw different people who might have the answer or part of the answer. And I probably went to, you know, 20 or so different people and all of them gave me something that I finally got myself back to the life I wanted and it took courage. (laughs) I don't know where I found the strength, but I feel like I did learn that from my mother and I think she's my ultimate hero really. You know, even Rowena, like I, I, I swear like my whole, the people and my journey to my life up until then like left this imprint and taught me how to dig deep, taught me how to work and work and work and work to be the best snowboarder I would be. And then I came to this point in my life where I needed to do the same to get my life back and my health back so I could keep snowboarding, so I could have a baby, so I could, you know, (laughs) everything. And it's not so easy to show those moments and what it takes. It's this internal search and this not willing to settle. 
the people in my life and being the best snowboarder led me to learning that skill, just not to settle. There's always an answer. I love that you brought that up because it is the spirit of this podcast too. Not everyone has a Marion Bright as their mother, but our goal is to have this community where people can learn through the kids, can dig in, plug in and learn through the examples. And you really are like, it's a rare person that rises without a team, a tribe around them, showing them the way, being examples. You know, your own manager, I spoke to her daughter the other day, Tora, who's a beautiful young woman, a soccer player in college. And I said, what did your mom do right? She thought about it for a second and she said, she just showed me how to live by being a badass herself and standing up for herself. Like you said, never settling. And like the example of that is so much bigger than any words or telling someone what to do. So kids plug in and listen to these stories over and over again and learn, yeah, how to not settle. The beauty of this digital age is that information is at your fingertips and you literally have the ability to tap into this village of people willing to share their experiences that you can take on board or emulate their journey or it's like you you have this digital village and I love that that's what you guys are actually creating because although my mother wasn't traveling with me like I was I was 14 years old I was traveling by myself but I have this village of of my snowboard community and I pay so much credit and respect to my competitors because I really felt like our era had this ability to to lift each other, to raise each other because, yes, we were fierce competitors against each other, but by raising each other and praising each other for the good things that we were doing, we lifted the sport and ultimately that's what it was. It was it was about the progression of the sport, bringing it to a wider audience to, you know, the progression. It's so true. I just I just love it. I've actually got goosebumps. I'm like, this is going to be life-changing for so many kids. Like... <laughs> Oh, Tora, you're amazing. We have been having so much fun with you. We have one last question before we let you go. We would love to know what does champion mean to you? It doesn't mean winning. That's all I know. It literally, it does not mean winning to me. Champion is like, it means heart. It's almost like a champion is someone who's having the best time, somebody who is cheering the others on while being the best they can be, somebody who is the people's champ. It's not being the best on the podium to me. It's a couple of friends come to mind. I'm like, they are champions. You know, Adam Klumper, who he's a champion in my mind. I was a young kid snowboarding. He was this cool old guy who ran, old guy holder to me at the time who ran the snowboard shop, who used to take me and my siblings snowboarding, nightboarding, you know, like to me, the word champion just comes to so many different people in so many different aspects because a champion pays back to the next generation because what is your story without making sure you leave it in the right way for, for the next, the next generations. Oh, that was from the heart. Thank you. And I mean, Tora, you know, you've always been my hero. You forever will be in more. I wish people knew you in more than just sport. But thank you for bringing your spirit and heart. And I've watched you touch a child's heart, like in person, like you always make an effort to get down and look into their eyes and tell them like, 
that you care and that they matter. And thank you for bringing that spirit to this podcast because I know like our goal, even if there's one kid out there that grabs onto your story and remembers one thing, that is the legacy that you talked about. You're a champ. You're the champ. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to I Am A Champion podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We are on all platforms and we really appreciate it. You can also find us on IG and TikTok at I Am A Champion podcast and YouTube at I Am A Champion. Until next time, remember you are all champions, leaving you with high fives, big hugs, and big belief. April and Rowena. Who am I? I am a champion.